Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. This psalm is really cool. It's six verses. It's a lot of fun. And it just screams to every one of us that God is faithful. It screams of the faithfulness of God. And I am so excited to be able to teach it. Before I decided to teach it, I bought two books. They're considered the best two books on this psalm, and they're both taught by pastors who were shepherds. So I went through these books, took all kind of shepherd notes, because what God did is he gave this psalm to David, and and God gave him the words, but David was a shepherd before he was a king. And so this is in sheep talk, and and when you can understand what he's saying, because these shepherds explain it's amazing, and it brings it to life for us. So you'll hear a lot of that especially in the last five lessons. I'm going to go through every verse. And what I want to open up with today is just to ask a question. Have you ever felt a time in your life where you lacked something that you needed? And not just money, wisdom, understanding, peace, joy. Just think about the things you might even lack right now. And you're just saying, I need this in my life. And God's making a bold promise in this first verse. The rest of the psalm proves it out. And I remember when Gina and I had our first child, when Joe Jr. came, we bought these books on how to raise kids. I think I read two of them. But then when he came, I was like, I felt so inadequate. I don't even know how to explain it to you. And I had all these concerns And some of them wanted to turn into fears. Like, you know, what if he goes down the wrong track? What am I going to do? How how do I train him to be a godly young man? And then we had three more, so now you're working on four of them. And uh, Joe Joe Jr. and David, they were good kids, but they were so strong-willed. And uh, I remember Gina and I being pulled in to a classroom. They had four teachers there for Joe, and I think he was in fifth grade. And they're like, he doesn't listen. He won't wear a belt. They had to wear belts. His shirt's always untucked. Their shirt was supposed to be tucked in. And it's our school. I'm the president of the school. <laughs> and, and so it's like, God, give me wisdom to handle these. And I knew they were going to be leaders because they had strong wills. You know? So I, saw, I was trying to look at the positive side. But here's what I learned as I raised my kids. And I watched others raise their kids. God is faithful. And God will always give us what we need. He always meets those needs in our life. And that's what this psalm is about. He'll give us wisdom, how to handle the worst situations, how to handle good situations, how to turn bad situations into good situations. That's what God does. So let's read the psalm and take a look at it. Sneak peek, Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's today. We'll talk about that. He makes me lie down in green pastures. That's sheep talk right there. And it's amazing when you understand it. He leads me besides the still waters. Sheep talk again. He restores my soul. I've had so many things wrong with my head. I'm still dealing with things that are wrong in my head. That's why I went out for my sabbatical, right? But God's restoring. He restores our soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He gives us purpose, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me, verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. We have enemies, but there's a table. There's preparation that God's made so you can handle the enemies in your life. And then I love this. More sheep talk. This is all sheep talk. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. And how about this one? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. The word follow means to pursue with a passion. So many of us are afraid what's going to jump on our back. And God's saying, I've got goodness and mercy chasing you down. They want to jump on your back. And we're going to talk about that and have some fun with it. But then how about this? We never really lose if we're Christians, right? 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When someone leaves this earth and we had this great loss because someone we love left, we're hurting, but they've gained. Paul said to live is Christ and to die is gain. And we get to go to heaven. So how does the Lord become your shepherd? When you accept Jesus Christ as your savior, he's your shepherd. And I wanna help that come alive today. And as Christians, all we need to do is surrender and say, Lord, I, I accept you as my shepherd. And he'll begin to lead and guide us. He'll do all these things in our life. So if you're visiting, I always have a big idea. This is not the only way to teach, but it just works for me. My big idea is what I want you to walk out of a lesson understanding more clearly than ever. So I come up with a big idea and then I, and then I prove it. So I'm just going to try to prove it as I go on. But here's the big idea. God guarantees, that's a big word. He guarantees that he will meet all our internal and external needs. So think of your external needs. That could be finances, could be a house, could, could be a relationship. You know, some of you might be single saying, man, I wish I had a mate. Others uh, have been married and you're like, I don't need that again. And, and so, you know, we're, we're all different, right? We're all different. And, and so, but whatever you want. I mean, God calls some people to be single. I find them to be the most valuable people in a church because they have lots of time and they have a call on their life. Uh, but God uses all of us, even us married people like myself. And then think of all your internal needs, guys. A lot of internal needs, right? And God says, I'll meet every need that you have. He guarantees it. And that's what this psalm is screaming. God wants us to find his faithfulness. And so here's verse one. This is what we want to deal with today. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And the first thing I want to emphasize, I want to emphasize three things in this psalm. Here's number one in this verse. Three things that God made this really personal. This is very personal. And that's what he means when he says, he's my shepherd. And so God has become your personal shepherd. And this is very, very personal. And so if you look at this Psalm, six verses, there's 28 personal pronouns in it. I want you to think about it. That's a lot. You won't find other sections of scriptures like that. 28 personal pronouns. 25% of the six verses are personal pronouns. That's crazy. And God is trying to get a point across to you and I. So we just read it just to introduce us. I want to read it again uh, to each and every one of us. But I want to emphasize the 28 personal pronouns. And I just want you to think. Think about it now before I read. This isn't about me. I'm reading it. And you might say, that's him. No, this is you. Every one of you can read this. He's your shepherd, and this is about you. And he's making this very, very personal to each and every one of us. So look at it with me. I highlighted the personal pronouns. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. He's saying that to you. Can you read that with me? We won't do it for every verse. Don't be afraid. But uh, hit whatever you want to hit. You know, whatever you want to hit. But, but here we go. The Lord is... My shepherd, I shall not want. And I want you to later on this week do this with every, every part of this verse. Listen, listen as we go on. He, God, makes me to lie down in green pastures. He, God, leads me besides the still waters. He doesn't have favorites. And sometimes as Christians, I think we look around and think, well, he's one of God's favorites or she's one of God's favorites. And he did that for her, but he would never do it for me. And God's saying, no, this is personal. I'm everybody's shepherd. He goes on to say, the Bible says, he, God, restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness 
for his name's sake. Verse 4, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's really hard times, tough times. Shepherd talk, sheep talk, but that's what it's referring to. I will fear no evil, for you, God, are with me. Your rod, your staff, those two babies, they comfort me. You, God, prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Anybody in here have some enemies? Enemies we can see, enemies we can't see. God's already prepared a table. Think about that. You and I want to get into the habit by the time we finish this verse. It's like, uh, hey, Papa, pass the biscuits. I need some biscuits to handle this enemy, right? Pass me what I need, Lord God. And he's saying, I already prepared it for you. Listen this. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, your life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is personal. And here's what he's saying. He said, I purchased you, and we're going to see that in a moment. I purchased you. I checked you out. I purchased you, and you are mine, and I am your shepherd. It's very, very personal. And here's a really cool verse that makes it really real. Isaiah 49, 15. It's the verses above. He says, never. And you want to read those this week. They're really good. But he goes on and says this. Can a mother forget her nursing child? The answer is no. Can she feel no love for the child she has born? The answer is no. But even if it were possible, and we'll come back to this. Keep that on screen for me. You know, if a, a, a dear mom gets hooked on drugs or something like that, she might be able to do this. But in a normal situation, there's no mama that's going to forget her baby. As a matter of fact, I remember when my daughter-in-law, Erin, you know, Joe met her at youth camp, and then they got married. And so he marries this beautiful young lady, and then she's his wife. And then she had her firstborn, Joey the Third. And uh, when she had her firstborn, I saw it in Gina, but you forget, you know. I saw this gleam come in her eyes, and she turned into mama, right? And you know what comes with that gleam and that love? Mama bear comes with that. And mama bear is like, don't mess with my kids. That's what mama bear is. And then I watched it with Deanna, my, my youngest daughter. And she's a beautiful young woman. She meets handsome Corey, and they get married, you know? And, and, and then they have their firstborn, Ophelia. And then I saw, I saw the gleam come in Deanna's eyes. It's like, whoa, she became a mama just like that as soon as the baby came out. And then mama bear came, too. With that, in other words, you don't mess with my daughter. And something just happened. It was perfect for this lesson. I'm sad that it happened, but it did happen, but it had a good outcome. Uh, in California, there was a mountain lion. There was a five-year-old boy playing in his yard. A mountain lion came, grabbed the boy, and was taking him away to eat him. And the boy's screaming. His mom's in the kitchen. She comes running out, and she put her fist to that mountain lion and start beating it, and it ran away, dropped the kid, and ran away. And mama's a hero. You can Google it, man. It's, 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 it's all out over the internet. And you know what that is? That's mama bear. And here's what God's doing. Here's what he's doing. He's saying, think about mama bear. He says, I'm more of a mama bear than your mama. I love you more than your mama. And I made this personal. And I'm, I'm going to treat you just like you were my firstborn, my secondborn, my thirdborn, my fourthborn. I'm going to treat you like you're one of my kids. And that's what this verse is saying. Take a look as we go on. It goes on and says, but even if it were possible, I would not forget you. And it's impossible unless, unfortunately, people get hooked on some of the drugs. But here's verse 16. See, I have written you 
or your name on the palm of my hands. This is so powerful. And you might be thinking, wait, there's millions of Christians. How have God get? The Bible says, this is what your Bible says, the earth is God's footstool. So how big is God if he uses the earth for a footstool? The earth is really, really big. And he says, it's my footstool. So God's bigger than you and I imagine. His hands are huge. And I think he could get into multi-dimensions too, you know, multiple levels. But here's what you want to see here. God loves you so much that he's written your name on his hand. He's made this personal. It's really personal. And I want to throw some sheep talk into this one. You know, uh, shepherds, uh, they'll never have enough lambs to keep their flocks up, so they have to go to market every year and buy some lambs. And it's interesting when they go to market, they don't just open the mouth and check the teeth, you know, and the tongue. They literally check every inch of that animal. And they look them all over, and then they pick the one that they like the best. And that's what they do, but guess what? That's what God did with you. And it's amazing when you see what the Bible says. He's made this personal. Ephesians 1, verse 4. Even before he made the world, God loved us. So think about it. Before he created the universe, he loved you. How's that? Well, and, and he chose you before he made the world in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt you into his own family by bringing us together uh, to himself through Jesus Christ. And I like this last part. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So you've heard me say this before if you've been here any length of time. God created the universe, and, and scientists will tell you the universe is like a huge time clock, like a timepiece. And God created it, so time didn't exist until he created the universe, and he stands above time. And so God can see from the beginning all the way to the end because he's outside of time. So God sees the end of my life. He's given me a free will, but he sees the end. He knows who's praying for me and how that's going to help, but he sees the end. And he saw you before you were born. He saw you make the mistakes that you made that you're guilty about right now, all those things you're guilty about. He knew you were going to make them, and he still said, I want you. And, and so he saw us in all of our faults, everything you and I could ever do wrong, every failure we could ever have. And you know what he said? I want you and I'm going to draw you to Christ and you're going to become one of my sheep. And so the shepherd figures out who he wants and then he has to take his wallet out and pay for it. And God chose you before you were born. And then listen to 1 Peter 1.18. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And I got to thinking about my ancestors. My mom and dad were great people, really good people, honest people. My grandparents were good, honest people. My great-grandparents were good, honest people, just hardworking people. And yet my life was empty because it didn't have God. And they, and they, didn't, they weren't able to give me God. I, God found me, and then I brought him to the, my family. But God, that's what God's saying to us. No matter how good your, your family life is, it's empty without him. But he goes on to say, uh, he says, and it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. Anybody agree with inflation, right? The cost of gas, right? He says, I didn't use that to buy you. Verse 19, it was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb. And I think it's so amazing. God took his wallet out and he said, the creator of the universe, Jesus, is going to become a lamb going before slaughter so you can become my sheep. 
And so God made this very personal, and he's guaranteeing that he'll meet every need you have, internal and external. And he's saying, this is between me and you. I purchased you, and that's not bad. That's positive. If you belong to God, that's pretty cool. And it brings us to our fourth or our second point. Here's point two. God is your shepherd. I just want you to think about that. The creator of the universe is your shepherd. Look at the psalm again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And that word is Yahweh. It's used over 6,000 times in the Old Testament, and it just means God. It's referring to God. We could go into all kinds of other things, but what he's saying is, my shepherd is God. So it's personal, but I want to emphasize the God part for a moment. I mean, who's your shepherd? You know, if, if, if a pastor like myself, we're, we're under shepherds. And so God has a pastor, pastor church, and then he gives us direction so we can together, you know, exist to see a city connected with God. And we want to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. So we're helping God. But you should be so glad that I'm not your shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd, right? I'm a pastor, but he's the good shepherd. You should be so glad that God is your shepherd, because God is way bigger than any of us guys could ever be. He's way tougher. He's just absolutely amazing, and he is now your shepherd. And I want to read a verse to you out of the New Testament, Colossians 1.15. It reads this way. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Remember, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So when you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're seeing what God's like, and it's pretty cool. He's the firstborn of all creation. Now, we know Jesus always existed, and he took on himself a human body. This is referring to when he came out of the grave. He was the first one to be born. He's God, right? But he was born with a glorified human body, and you're going to receive one too because he came out of the grave with one. But now it goes back, and it reminds us he always existed. He's the creator. Look at verse 16. And by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Verse 17, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I just want you to think about what was just said. So I remember I went to JFK for 11 years, and then my senior year, I asked my dad if I could transfer to Howland. Um, my brother, Mike, he was a JFK. He's two years younger than me. And after his freshman year, I think he had 55, 56 detentions. Um, and so my dad needed some wisdom there, right? And so they sat my dad down and Mike, they said, if he gets one detention his sophomore year, we're going to kick him out. So my dad looked at Mike and said, you think you can go without a detention? He goes, no. So he went to Holland. And then he told me, you can wear jeans and t-shirts here. So my senior year, I left JFK and went to Holland. And I had never had a class on evolution, because JFK didn't teach that back then, and I don't think they do now. And so I'm in a class on evolution. I'm like, whoa, we came from monkeys, and I'm just hearing, you know, I'm thinking, well, my, I've had people tell me I'm like an ape and things, you know, but uh, like, I couldn't believe it. I, I tried, and I, I wasn't following God. I was walking away from God at the time. It just didn't make sense. And, and I know what we're taught in high school. I know what we're taught in college. I understand that. And I know in a couple minutes here, I can't, you know, 
I can't probably change too many people's minds that believe one way, but I do want to make you think a little bit, all of us think, and many of you are like me, we're convinced God created everything. But I was just watching, you know, we have, we have the uh, UFOs, and so that's fascinating to me. I'm a sci-fi buff, but I don't believe any of it. I just like the entertainment, right? I watch it because it's not true. So I love sci-fi, but I'm seeing what our military released, and I was listening to these two brainiac NASA t- scientists. They're not Christian. Uh, you know, they're not Jews, they're not Christians. I have no idea if they believe in God or not, but they're asking them about this and, and they're saying, what, what do you think about this? And, and here's what they said, and I, I just smiled when I heard it. They said, well, uh, it's impossible to travel the universe because there's these meteor belts and it would blow your ship up. It's impossible to get from one to the other. They said, we believe these are interdimensional. We believe they come from another dimension. These are brainiac scientists that aren't Christians. And they don't go on and talk how it could be spirits and it could be the devil trying to deceive the world so people don't think God exists. They don't say any of that. But I was just smiling. I thought, yeah, this is probably interdimensional. It probably is. But I found that anything this world tries to throw at us to make us not believe in God, the Bible has answers for. You might say, well, the, the earth is billions of years old. Well, in Genesis 1.1 1, 1 and in verse 2, it gives room for the earth to be billions of years old, never changes the story because the earth became void and without form. And so there's ways to answer everything. And again, I'm not doing a lesson on that, but I want to take you somewhere. And here's where I want to take you. I, I just want you to understand that the creator of the universe is your shepherd. And he's big and he's bad, and the earth is his footstool, and he is amazing. And if you were to go outside and take a handful of soil, do you know there's billions of microorganisms in, in that handful of soil? And scientists, brainiacs tell you this. They say, we cannot figure some of them out. And they're little microorganisms. They said, they're so complicated, we can't figure them out. And that soil wouldn't grow without them. So where am I going with this? Well, how did this randomly happen? You have to have microorganisms for plants to grow. Just think about how did this randomly happen from an explosion or whatever. But here's the one that blows my mind. Do you know that in your gut, just a part of your intestine, do you know that you have 100 trillion bacteria living in there that aren't part of your body? You have aliens in you, man. 100 trillion of them. That's 100 trillion. Now, let's, can we put it in perspective? Your body is only made of 37 trillion cells, give or take a billion, depending on how big we are, right? But 37 trillion cells. So you have two and a half times more bacteria in your gut than you do human cells. And here's, here's what blows my mind about this. You cannot digest or assimilate food without those bacteria in your gut. They, you, couldn't have, you would die without them. And, and so if you eat really bad, you've got some bad ones. But if you eat good, they, they change the good ones. So you know, die, the bad ones die. But guys, this is how you digest food. And so I just, I stop and think about that. And it's the glory of God in my, like, how did that just happen? How did I come out of the ocean? And then, oh, we better, how, how did 100 trillion bacteria get in my gut so I could assimilate food? When did that happen, right? And, and you begin to think about all that. And you just have to say, man, we say it was God and Jesus, right? But there has to be intelligent design. There's no other way about it. And we know it's God. And I said all that to say this. That God, the creator of everything, he is your shepherd. And that's why he can guarantee some things. And that's why he can go on to say, you shall not want 
That means no lack. It doesn't mean we won't have problems. It doesn't mean we won't have bad days. It doesn't mean something terrible can't happen to us. But he's saying, you walk through those valleys. You have enemies all around you. I prepared a table. I have a staff and I have a rod. I'm going to protect you. And he's just boldly declaring, I'm going to walk through everything with you. And I'm going to bring you out on the other side. And even if you lose something that's dear, he says, I'll comfort you and help you get past that loss. And the person you lost, they're in heaven. They're with Jesus. And so I, I want to make my third point. Our shepherd meets our every need. And that's a guarantee. God guarantees that he will meet all our internal and external needs. I like what the first prime minister of Israel said. Listen to this. In 1948, when the first prime minister of Israel, David Ben-Gurion, was asked, what do you need as a young nation? He said, oh, the only things we need are the things which begin with the letter A. He went on to say, A, lot of tanks. A, lot of money, A, lot of guns, and A, lot of food. He must have been Canadian before he, he went there. A, A, he was Canadian, right? And I read this because I think this is how my life is and your life is. We need a lot of things that begin with A, right? And we have all kind of lack in our life, and we can put that letter A in front of it. And you name it, we have needs. And God is making a bold promise to you and I, and he's saying, I will meet every need that you have. And you and I, because God, the creator of the universe, made it personal. He said, you're my sheep, and I will be your shepherd, and I will guarantee you I'll meet every need. And the rest of the Psalms talking about how he walks through life with us. And I have a New Testament scripture I want to close with. Here we go. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? Again, I encourage you to read the verses above, but his conclusion is this. If God is for us, the creator of the universe, right, who can ever be against us? Doesn't that make sense? If God's on our side, I don't care how many times we get knocked down. I don't care what we go through. We can get back up and say, I surrender to you, shepherd, and he can, he can walk us out of anything. And if for some reason we don't make it, oh, we got to go to heaven. So that's pretty cool, too. Listen to verse 32. Since he did not spare even his own son that gave him up for all of us, won't he also give us everything else? So if he allowed Jesus to die for you, is there anything he won't do to help you in your life? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And this is all about the faithfulness of God. So don't, don't take it the wrong way. I'm not saying we won't have trouble and problems and issues. I'm saying God has promised he'll walk with us. He'll meet those needs. He'll get us to the other side. He'll deliver us. So over in Borman online, you got to do this in the chat rooms. You got to get really give it up in the chat room. Those of you listening in the future on demand, give it up too when you hear it in the future, right? But here in Warren too, men at TCI, can we give it up and say, thank you, God, that you are our shepherd and just let them know how excited we are. Thank you, Lord God. We thank you for that. We thank you for that. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, I did my best to teach this incredible part of the Bible. And we thank you for where we're headed. We thank you that we have an opportunity to explore your faithfulness. And I just ask, Lord, everybody listening now and in the future, Lord, open up our hearts and our eyes to your faithfulness. Walk us through this psalm, and thank you for changing us forever. Thank you that you're the God that restores our brains, our heads. 
Thank you that you're the God that gives us paths that we walk down with purpose. Thank you that you're the God that walks through the valleys as bad as they can be. Thank you for your staff and thank you for your rod. Make these things real to us, Lord. Thank you for preparing a table in advance for us right in the presence of our enemies. Thank you for anointing our head with your oil. Thank you for the fact that our cup runs over. Thank you that goodness and mercy are pursuing us, wanting to jump into our lives. Just thank you for being God in every one of our lives. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. And I believe the Holy Spirit's ministering to all of us right now. God wants to just minister to your hearts. And while that's happening, maybe you're visiting today. Maybe you've been here a couple times and, and you're just not sure of your eternity. You're wondering, is God my shepherd? Isn't God my shepherd? And I'm not asking you right now to join believers or join a religion. I'm not asking you if you go to church. I'm not asking you if you don't go to church. Here's what I'm asking. You can go to a Christian church and be on the membership rolls and not have done what I'm about to say. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a day in your life where you made it personal and you said, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God and I accept you as my savior. Here's what the Bible says. God loved this world so much he gave his only son. We saw that he purchased us with Jesus. And you're purchased and what you have to do is respond. And the Bible says, whoever calls on his name, he will save them. And I'm believing it's your moment as you listen right now for you to accept Jesus, for you to call on his name. And I wanna pray right now. If you're listening, you say, you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready to ask Jesus to be my savior. I'm ready to surrender my life to him. Would you pray with us right now? The rest of us, can we help them pray? In Borman, online, in Warren, TCI, all the men there, let's help them pray. And just say this after me. If you're praying it for the first time, simply mean it. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner and I need a savior. I repent of my sins and I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God, that you died for my sins and the entire world. I accept you as my savior and I make a decision this day to follow you. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.